0: Welcome to Transforming Minds, Transforming Lives, a podcast series of RCCG Living Spring Pittsburgh. Stay tuned for our senior pastor, Boyega Eson. Luke chapter 17 and verse 20, Luke 17 and verse 20. Now when it was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to the disciples, the days will come when you desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. Father, once again, breathe upon your word, and let this word produce life and blessings in Jesus' mighty name. A couple of Sundays back, we started on the principles of God's kingdom. We said that God's kingdom is different from everyone's kingdom, that the kingdom of God is different from the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is a place, is a location. But the kingdom of God is more of an influence. And the Bible says the kingdom of this world will soon become the kingdom of God and is Christ. In other words, Jesus is coming back to set up rain upon the earth at some point in time. But before that, the kingdom is spreading. And if you look at Luke chapter 17 verse 20, Jesus told them that the kingdom doesn't just come with observation, say the kingdom is right within you. So if you are born again, if you have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, if you carry the Holy Spirit, the kingdom is within you. If you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues, the kingdom of God is within you. As a matter of fact, the kingdom came fully on the day of Pentecost. On Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and began to live in the hearts of men. And the kingdom has been progressing since then. And we said this kingdom is superior to other kingdoms. Superior to the kingdom of man. Superior to the kingdom of Satan. I'm also sure you know that Satan has a kingdom that he operates. And that kingdom is in opposition to the kingdom of God. Everything God wants, Satan doesn't want. Everything God loves, Satan hates. So the kingdom is working in opposition to the kingdom of God. But you also have the kingdom of man. But we said out of all these several kingdoms, the kingdom of God is superior. Other kingdoms will bow. Even the nations of the world, they are bound to one another. At some point in time, it was Rome that was superpower. America is on the same. So what I'm just saying is that the kingdom of man will rise and fall. But the kingdom of God is forever settled. The Bible says, the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So it's a superior kingdom. It's an eternal kingdom. It's a progressive kingdom. The more you manifest the kingdom, the more the influence we wield over our communities, over our family members, the whole essence is to bring God down to the same. I'm sure you know the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come, then let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's plan is that heaven will be replicated here. And the carrier of that kingdom is you. So in other words, you can have peace as it is in heaven, You can have prosperity. You can wield power. There's no sorrow in heaven. There's no pain. So, everyone can actually be replicated on earth. That's God's plan. And it's my prayer in your life, everyone will be replicated in Jesus' mighty name. Hebrews 12, 28. Hebrews 12, 28 says, We receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Kingdoms come and they go, but this kingdom cannot be shaken. It's eternal. As a Christian, God wants to, through us, spread his kingdom to the whole earth. So the day you gave your life to Christ and Jesus came to live in your heart, the kingdom of God was born within you. The day you got baptized by the Holy Spirit, the influence of that kingdom became much more. It became more enormous. So as you begin to live out the kingdom, God is through you spreading the kingdom. So the kingdom first comes to affect your life, your personal life. And then through you, it affects your family. And then through you, as you give allowance to the kingdom within you, it affects your community. As you give more allowance, it can affect your country. So this kingdom is an influence. It's an influence. And what we've been trying to do in the past is to show us the keys how to manifest, how to exhibit the kingdom of God. And we said that the very first key to manifest the kingdom is love. Because we said love drives the kingdom. The motivation for God's kingdom is love. Satan's kingdom is ruled by hatred. Satan hates you. Everything God loves, Satan hates. Satan hates mankind. But the motivation for the kingdom is love. So everything works in the kingdom of God by love. Faith works by love. Your prayers work by love. And the love is simply you love God with your whole heart, with your whole soul. And then you love your fellow man as yourself. So the first key to unraveling the kingdom of God is love. And we also said that another key to unraveling the kingdom of God is righteousness. We said righteousness is the foundation of the kingdom of God. The foundation is the most critical part in any building. Once the foundation is destroyed, the building cannot stand. So what God's kingdom sits on is righteousness. And you can't say you are righteous and you practice sin. The way we know righteous people is that they live righteously. We have righteousness by position, where you are aligned with God. We also have righteousness by practice. So we are positioned in righteousness, and by the grace of God, we have the seed of righteousness. And we can also produce righteous works and righteous acts. We also said another key to unraveling the kingdom of God is faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. We transact business with this kingdom by faith. Another key to unraveling the kingdom is service. The whole essence of the kingdom, the reason for the kingdom is to serve. We serve God and we also serve mankind. Acts 13, 36. The Bible says after David finished serving his generation, he fell asleep. So the essence of the kingdom is to serve. We serve God, we serve mankind. We also spoke about generosity. That the kingdom is intended to flow. Resources flow. God is a distributor. Satan holds. God is a distributor. So the reason for giving is that you distribute. And we also said money is the greatest competitor with God in the life of man. Amen? And that's key. That's why the Bible says you cannot serve God and also serve mammon. So that's why God says give me 10%. That's why God says give. That's why God says "Look, make me your source. Because he doesn't want money to rule you. Money is a good servant but is a bad master. If you allow money... (laughs) Then people will end up in hell because they love money more than God. So that's why God says give, because He wants to break the streak of greed, of harvary in our lives. We also said prayer is the catalyst, the activator for the kingdom is prayers. The last key is thanksgiving, the fertilizer for God's kingdom. Thanksgiving is giving thanks. When you give thanks, something happens. This giving thanks also. Answer to the law of harvest. So when you give thanksgiving to God, some benefits automatically come. Some benefits automatically come. So praise, thanksgiving, worship is exalting God, is magnifying God, is glorifying God, is making God bigger in your life. And there's no way you make God bigger that you remain small. So praise intends to make God bigger, to exalt Him to magnify him, to boast about him, to talk about his creativity, talk about his wisdom, talk about his creation. The intention is to make God bigger as we praise him. Say, Whoever offers praise glorifies me. And there's no way how you make God bigger, you exalt him genuinely and truthfully. If you do it right, you cannot remain small. If you truly make God bigger, if you truly praise him, if you make praise a constant habit, if you turn thanksgiving to a habit, if you do it all the time like David, say I will bless God at all times. So this praise will continually be in my mouth, continuous praise. You cannot make God bigger 24/7 and you remain small. Because what happens is that when you make God big, you make his head swell. God lives in praise. When you praise God, when God's praise is in your mouth, God will come and live with you. That was why Enoch walked with God and he was taken. Enoch so much praised God 24-7 round the clock. He was so much in the spirit with God that God had to take him. Because when you praise him, he raises you. When you learn to praise him, you become his friend. When you learn to praise him, he speaks to you. Praise draws God. Grumbling repels him. Complaining, murmuring repels him. One of the reasons why they couldn't get into the promised land was grumbling and complaining. When you complain, when you murmur, when you grumble, you are criticizing God. It's a critic evaluation of God. You are telling him, I'm not happy with you. You are not doing me right. You are not being fair. But when you praise him, regardless of what you are going through, it draws him. It draws him. Because he lives in praises. He inhabits praises. It's my prayer you take your focus of yourself, you take your focus of your challenges, and you give it all to God in Jesus' mighty name. As you focus on God, whatever thing you focus on magnifies. As you focus on God, you see his goodness more in manifestation in Jesus' mighty name. Another thing about praise is that it is a weapon of warfare. Amen? It is a weapon of warfare. The Bible says in Psalm 149, verse six to nine. Psalm 149, verse six to nine, say, "Let the high praises of God be in their mouths, and a two-edged sword in their hands, to execute vengeance on the nations, punishment on the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with feathers of iron, to execute on them the written judgment." In other words, when you praise God, it becomes a weapon of warfare. God begins to fight on your behalf. Many times we don't learn that look, when we're in a war situation, just give it to God. Three enemy kings came against Jehoshaphat, Second Chronicles chapter 20. They came against him and they overwhelmed him. And when he went to God, God said, look, don't even fight. You won't even need to raise a weapon in this war. He said, just gather your choir. Organize them. And let them sing to my holiness. That's all you need to do in this battle. And guess what? After he organized the choir, and they sang praises to God, the Bible said these enemy armies, these enemy kings turned against one another. Jehoshaphat was in the midst of war. He didn't raise a weapon. The only weapon he raised was the weapon of praise. And as he was praising God, God made the enemies to fight themselves. What Jehoshaphat had afterwards was the spoils of war. Brethren, praise is a mighty, mighty weapon as a matter of fact, the Bible says God is fearful in praises. Exodus fifteen eleven it says God is glorious in holiness and is fearful. So when you are praising God genuinely, hell is afraid. When the church is praising God, when you organize praise service and praise worship, anything can happen. Fearful in praises. So when we are praising God, hell is terrorized. I mean, they begin to scramble for safety. They don't know what next will happen. Because the thunder himself can thunder upon them. And I pray the God of thunder will thunder upon your enemies in Jesus' mighty name. So, praise is a mighty weapon of warfare. It's a mighty weapon of warfare. When we praise God, hell is afraid. Hell is truly afraid. And in your life, hell will be forever afraid in Jesus' mighty name. Because when you praise God, God moves. And of course, praise... Is the water that waters the seed that we plant. And that's very, very major. Praise is the water that waters the seed that we plant. You see, geographers tell us there's a hydrologic cycle. They tell us how the rain is formed. The sun beams upon the ocean. A steam is formed that evaporates. And then it goes to the atmosphere, goes up, out air rising. And the more the hot air rises, it condenses. The higher you go, the cooler it becomes. So the altar rises and then it gets to the atmosphere, it condenses and begins to gather. The clouds begin to gather. It begins to gather. And when it gets to a point, it breaks and water falls. So what we do with praise is that we also gather. As we raise up praise to heaven, it forms in the atmosphere showers of blessings. As we gather praise to God, gather praise to God, and very soon something breaks. Blessings come pouring down. You see, on a serious note, if you want to see increase, you really want to see increase in your life. Begin to praise God. There are some places that are actually in droughts. Even if you go to the deserts and you learn to praise God in the deserts, the desert will turn because it's the water that waters the seed that we plant. Psalm sixty-one verse five Say, "Let the people praise you, O oh God. Let all the people praise you. Then." When they praise you, the earth will yield an increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. So it is true that when we take time to praise God, the ground will yield increase. You will yield increase in Jesus' mighty name. And it's also true that absence of thanksgiving brings drought. On your family, on your community, where all you do is just to complain, you just count your losses, you never count your blessings and you just complain. grumble? He it also brings droughts. Heaven is sealed when no praises are going up to heaven. Second Kings chapter 6 Samaria was besieged by the Assyrians. They couldn't go out, they couldn't come in. Very soon, it created a famine. That people were beginning to eat their children. They were eating their children for food. But somehow, God brought a deliverance through four lepers. Through four lepers, everything turned in 24 hours. Drought became abundance in 24 hours through four lepers. So it was a big deliverance God brought in 2 Kings chapter 7. But funny enough, 2 Kings chapter 8, immediately after, God was calling for another drought upon the land. Because when God did that deliverance for them, no praise went up to heaven. Second Kings chapter 8, verse 1, the prophet was already telling the widow, say, look, you have to relocate because drought is coming. God just saved them from a drought. It was called for another drought. Because they expected a serious praise worship session. Because when they got delivered from the Red Sea, all oh, Miriam began to praise. Exodus 15, 11. As a matter of fact, Exodus chapter 15, they gave us three songs for the church. Because it was a mighty deliverance. All years after Anna had an encounter and she became pregnant and gave back to a son, she also praised God. Because it was a big deliverance. It was a big encounter. But these guys, after this big deliverance, they didn't give us a song. So God commanded another drought. Brother, what I'm telling you is serious. Praise. If you do a good work of praise, you will begin to see increase. You see increase on your finances, increase in your home, increase on your job, increase of the anointing. You will feel God more. This is a very critical matter. If you are in school, you are having challenges. Learn to praise God. Because praise brings God on the same So, praise is also a deliberate act of the will. It's a deliberate act of the will. David said, my heart is fixed. I will praise him. It doesn't matter what you are going through. Praise God. When you praise God in your pain, it becomes a sacrifice. When Paul and Silas, when they were in the dungeon, underground prison, they were in chains. They were in shackles. They were in fetters of iron. They didn't find, they didn't lose. Because they knew Biden and losing will not do it. They just knew the secrets. If you bind, if you lose, <laughs> you may not get the job done. Even after Biden and losing, are not getting results? They switched to praise. In their pain, they switched. They switched from the natural to the supernatural. They switched in their pain because they knew this is the secret of the kingdom of God. If you praise God, God comes. When you pray, God dispatches angels to go. And angels can be withheld. Angels excel in strength, but they are not unlimited in power. Angels are strong, but they are not unlimited in strength. Demonic powers, who are also angels, demonic spirits, can withstand an angel of God. But when you praise, because God does in the praise of his people, he himself comes on the scene. And when God arises, (laughs) who is the demon that can confront? Who is the Lucifer that can stand in the way? So these guys knew the secrets. They were in pain. They were in underground prison. Maximum security. They could have been lamenting. The normal thing is to lament. The natural thing is to lament and lament. After we are doing God's work, why is this happening to us? This God is not fair. This is not good. I just cast out a demon. And they pounced on me. God, why are you allowing this to happen? That is the natural thing. But the Bible said, no. They switched. They began to praise. That the prisoners heard them. They asked them and they were mocking them. Very soon, God silenced their mockers. Everyone mocking you every time you come to church. Everyone mocking you every time you say, praise the Lord. God will shut up their mouths in Jesus' mighty name. So, praise is what we do after we have prayed. It's a deliberate act of sacrifice. We don't walk by sight, we walk by the word of God. Praise is a willing sacrifice. Push beyond your pains. Push beyond your place and begin to praise God. Look beyond your feelings. Praise God. Stop waiting to feel good before praising God. That's a mistake many of us make. You are waiting to feel good before you praise God. Stop waiting to feel good. Stop waiting to feel good before praising God. You have got to act to feel, not feel to act. You've got to act to feel. When you start praising God in your pain, you begin to feel good. It's never before. When you act, you've got to act to feel. If you want to feel good, start praising. You don't, first of all, feel to act. You have to act to feel. So stop waiting to feel good before you praise God. Praise is a sacrifice we give to God. It's superior to your prayers. David praised God seven times. These are three times of prayer. Praise is what we do after we have prayed through. Abraham didn't waver at God's promises. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So after we have prayed, the next thing is to switch to praise. We're praising, even though we haven't seen the answer, we praise God. And I just want to admonish here, not every praise is accepted. The praise from a drug addict's mouth doesn't move everyone. The praise from an adulterous mouth doesn't move everyone. So if you don't have your sins forgiven, if you don't have your sins washed by the blood of the Lamb, if you are not baptized by the mercy of God, your praise means nothing to God. Anybody can sing anybody. But for your praise to move heaven, you have to be born again, you have to be washed in the blood of the Lamb, and you have to be walking in line with the will of God. I see you walking in line with the will of God. I see your praise making impact. I see you through your praise influencing God's kingdom. I see you through your praise healing the sick. I see you through your praise, through a lifestyle of praise raising the dead in the mighty name of Jesus. I see you becoming an addict of praise and worship. David said, I will bless at all times. Continuous place. That will be your portion in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening. And make sure you subscribe for more great podcasts.